0: Well, good morning. morning. We are glad that you're here with us. We have a a sampling of a few folks here in the room with us, and then we've got several online. And if this is your first time joining us online, we're really glad that you did. Um, This is our first time doing a service quite like this, so I hope you'll stay with us. We're going to do our best uh, to talk through some of the issues today. And at the same time, we're going to try to respond on Facebook, which... Uh, with Scott and I, I'm not sure we can do those all those things at one time. So this may be the the Mark and Scott comedy show here yeah. in just a minute.
1: I, I have already accidentally deleted Mace's post from Facebook Live and had to apologize. Um, at least I didn't block him, which I almost did. It's hard to do this on a phone. By all right. The way. Yeah. If you,
0: if you need help on how to use that phone, let me know. Yeah. I'll help you out. But yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. if only it was an Android, it'd be easier. If it was, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, So we are postponing, some of you may be hoping we're going to be talking about uh, Nimrod and continuing our study in Genesis, but we're going to do that next week. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about just overcoming fear, and uh, we're doing all of this. I'm sure this is no surprise why we're doing this. If you've been awake and have looked on your computer, phone, or TV at all, you you know that there's a lot going on in our city. And so what we wanted to do was help in whatever way we can. Our our governing officials have asked us to spread out, to not be all in one place. And while we're a small church, uh, we we want to honor their request as best we can. And we also all know someone who is... uh, in a higher zone of uh, that needs a higher zone of care in this and so our hope is that we can contribute in whatever way that is so what we're doing today is we're here we're not doing child care we're not doing coffee or hospitality we're not asking any volunteers to be here uh, we've got a few that volunteered to be here uh, even though we were, uh, we didn't ask them to so we're thankful that they're here to help us do this today um, but we are for today right now today only this is what we're doing next week we may do this too And we're going to watch and see what happens. Uh, But just to catch you up and to help you understand a little bit about our thinking and and why we've done this, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about what we do know about the coronavirus um, and what we, uh, one of the reasons that we're doing what we're doing today. Yeah, what do we
1: know about COVID 19, the
0: coronavirus?
1: Well, we know it's highly contagious. That's one of the reasons our Uh, Government officials and things have asked us to practice what's called social separation where we're not up in each other's faces We're not gathering in larger groups and trying to get a handle on how contagious this is Um, There's not enough data yet honestly to know exactly how contagious it is But we do see it rapidly multiplying. We were talking this morning, and I joked it's how many of you remember the old um, the old joke about six degrees of Kevin Bacon Everybody's related to Kevin Bacon. So this morning, I just typed it in as a fun example for us You know, I typed in the national treasure the oldest national treasure I can think of is Betty White, right? So I typed in Betty White and she was in the proposal with Ryan Reynolds It was also in RIPD with Kevin Bacon So so there's only six people separating Kevin Bacon and Betty White and that's how we need to think about the how contagious this virus is I shake your hand or touch you, you shake somebody else's hand, somebody rubs the doorknob, those sort of things. That's the reason we're taking it seriously is because of the the contagency. The mortality rate is higher than the flu for the elderly and medically fragile. Those that have things like COPD, used to be known as emphysema, heart disease, diabetes, uh, especially the population that's over 80 years old. It's highly contagious and it's very difficult for them to overcome this virus if they get it. it's not just a bad version of the flu, despite what you may read in social media and things like that. It is more contagious and more deadly, at least to a certain, part, a certain portion of our population. Um, we've got some slides here that we'll go through. Do we have those online here? Yes. Um, practice appropriate hygiene. Uh, cover your mouth and nose with either a bent elbow or a tissue when you call for sneeze. If you use a tissue, immediately throw it away in a lined trash can. Okay, wash your hands. How many of you, your mom has told you that since you were about this high? Make sure you wash your hands. Regularly wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after blowing your nose, coughing, sneezing, or going to the bathroom, and before eating or preparing food. If soap and water are not available, use an alcohol-based sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. Okay? avoid sharing personal items. You shouldn't share dishes, drinking glasses, cups, eating utensils, towels, or bedding with other people. One of the things I've personally noticed that, that I usually do, a lot of us try to be environmentally conscious and use a reusable water jug and things like that. Well, I'm a little more conscious of that now, okay? Did I touch that thing yesterday? Did I, did I clean it properly or whatever? So I started using a styrofoam cup at work for things like that. So just little things you can do to protect yourself. Mm. Clean all high-touch surfaces. We have done that here at Journey. Use household cleaning products to disinfect High-touch surfaces, including counters, tabletops, doorknobs, bathroom fixtures, toilets, phones, keyboards, tablets, and bedside tables. I will tell you this morning, we have cleaned here. If you hear me cough this morning, it is not because I have a disease. I don't have the coronavirus. I don't have a fever. It's because there is a fog of Lysol in this place this morning. (laughs) I'm surprised it doesn't look like a nightclub. We have cleaned and disinfected, and you can smell it when you walk in the door. But those are precautions we're taking that you should be taking. Monitor your symptoms, okay? There are some specific symptoms you should know about. If you have a runny nose, you don't have the coronavirus, okay? Um, this is going to be difficult in all seriousness for us living here in the South during allergy season. People are going to be coughing. They're going to be sneezing. They're going to have a sore throat. So, so keep that in mind. But here are the things you should do. Seek prompt medical Let's go back, Jake. Yeah, thank you. See, prompt medical attention if your illness is worsening, difficulty breathing. Before seeking care, call your health care provider and tell them that you have or are being evaluated for COVID-19. If you have a medical emergency and need to call 911, notify the dispatch personnel that you have or are being evaluated for COVID-19. These are important things. Uh, The main symptoms are high fever, coughing and sometimes body aches those are the things that are a little different from the just the flu the body aches is a common thing but there you can look online there's lots of good guidelines about when you should or shouldn't do uh, certain things and I, I really like this slide too out of respect for our first responders and health care workers don't show up at your doctor's office tomorrow if you think you actually have this that is not the appropriate action right. to take right. don't go to a waiting room don't go to the ER and jump out and go you know these are common sense things that we need to do to keep our healthcare workers and first responders in good shape so remember those things
0: Right, and shortness of breath is the is one of the common factors. So if you're having a hard time breathing, that you need to get in touch with somebody. Now, how are we responding to this? So, uh, we've encouraged you to join us online. We have a few sampling of people that are here in the room with us. We're glad you guys are here with us. Uh, and, but we're also canceling everything for two weeks. So, uh, we're all of our midweek activities. So we won't have anything here. Um, as I said before, we don't have children's ministry going on this morning. And we're not serving coffee. We're not going to do anything with food for a while. So our hope is uh, that we can just contribute in whatever way we can. We have cleaned quite a bit. As Scott said, it is a bit of a fog in here with all the back anti, uh, uh, our disinfectants and all the things that we've sprayed. Um, and we're going to continue to do that, which is just good practice anyways. But we're going to be doing that uh, just to a higher degree than we have been, just to make sure that everyone is safe. Uh, we, we want... To be as responsible uh, responsible about this as we can, and at the same time, we recognize that worship is important. Uh, we want to be able to come together and be together. And so, for you know, if you want to be in the room with us, we just ask you kind of spread out and don't don't uh, shake hands, don't hug, don't you know. You can do whatever you want to do, uh, but just be wary of that. And and if you're here, or if you're at home and you're thinking, "Well, I'm healthy, I'm young," I have parents at home that. Just they're one handshake away from this, and they're in that really dangerous zone. So the problem with not having enough testing kits, not knowing who all has it, um, as we all know, it it came through a minister here to Chattanooga. Uh, It was just reported that they had contact with hundreds of people in the time that, that they likely had the virus. Those are the things we can't see and we don't know. And and what we want to talk about today in just a minute is we don't want that to drive us to be people of fear. We don't want to drive us to be people who are afraid uh, of everybody and of everything that we see and everything that that we touch. However, at the same time, we can be wise. Uh, And so we want to do that, especially for our more more vulnerable members of of our um, communities, but also recognizing that if we can in some way slow this down it helps our healthcare professionals and that's what we're that's why we're doing this that's why a lot of churches are doing something like this uh, today and so we want to help in whatever way that we can do that so those are some of the things that we're doing there's a lot that we don't know um, about this as well yeah we don't
1: know how many people are infected um, it's as simple as a matter of if, if you haven't tested someone you don't know if they're infected so it can Don't get caught up in looking at statistics other than this virus spreads quickly and it is more Deadly to people with pre-existing conditions and the elderly those are the only factual things we can really know right now We don't know how many people in Hamilton County are affected. We don't know in our congregation, someone could have it because it's not symptomatic necessarily when you first get it. So those are things that we're struggling with in how to deal with this. We don't know what course this virus is going to take. We don't know if it will rapidly expand or if, if the, the um, separation that we're doing, you've heard the term probably this past couple of days, uh, flattening the curve. Hopefully what that does is spread this disease out. People are going to get it. We know that but it's going to spread it out to the point that it gives healthcare workers a chance to respond to those that are the most critically impacted by it and allows them to to serve them properly. And that's that's some of the things we just don't know is how contagious it is, how long it will last, you know, and and how prevalent it already is. So, you know, that's just the things we don't know.
0: What we also don't know is where all the toilet paper is (laughs) and why it's all gone. And no one has answered that question yet. We are thinking about um, suspending givings and offerings in lieu of bringing some toilet paper and hand sanitizer, and we're going to auction it off. Yeah, we're
1: going to have a a church raffle, and I think we would make more money than than we possibly have I, ever done. We're going to
0: build a building after we sell some toilet paper. <laughs> All right. Uh, actually, so,
1: actually, we have learned our lesson about that in the news here locally. What happens when you hoard those items? The state government accuses you of price gouging, and I'm surprised there's not people uh, at this guy's house with pitchforks and torches ready to get him. <laughs> I'm not sure.
0: Yes, yeah, so and you're not aware of what Scott's talking about. Someone locally did an interview with the New York Times, gave their name and place where they live. Probably not the smartest move. Uh, and has something like 18,000 pieces of hand sanitizer in their garage trying to sell. So, you know, some of the responses we've seen, Scott, what are some, as you look around and see how people are responding today, has anything surprised you or what stood out to you about how people are responding to this? It surprised me,
1: I guess, a little bit that all the things that the government has always told us to be prepared for, none of us are prepared for, is one thing. Uh, People have asked mark jokingly asking about the toilet paper deal and why that's such a big deal Well, if you go to either CDC or FEMA They will have guidelines of what we should all do to be responsible citizens and to be prepared now I'm not talking about building an underground bunker at your home and and you know Generators necessarily and all that there but there are practical things you should do you should have a couple of weeks of your medicine of your supplies you should have food you should have toilet paper you should have all those things you commonly use in stock but what we have seen through this is people are not prepared and we we probably realize that you may have realized this week where you were and weren't prepared and had to do something about it um, and so what results there is everybody at one time realizes we're not prepared if this lasts is more than the next three days I'm going to run out of toilet paper I've got to get to Costco right now and get me some toilet paper so the problem is when people get there, they don't think they're selfish. They they see that I need this. I don't care if you need it. And there are people going, of course, Costco's a bulk sales store, you know, but they will buy giant 48-roll packs and buy them five at a time and start hoarding that stuff. And people can't get what they need then. Karen was at the store the other day. A guy in line was buying 10 dozen cartons of eggs. That's a lot of omelets, guys. Those would go go bad before our family could eat them. And so just people acting out of fear and things, you know, the hysteria is out there now. People are hysterical about there, and it's hard to weed through what you should and shouldn't be doing to prepare, you know. Some of these things, it's a little late, so, you know, you you can't do anything about it, but it's hard to weed through that, you know. It's creating anxiety and fear. You know, some people... Uh, I hate to say this. I've seen some people um, on social media and things that almost seem to revel in the collapse of society. Maybe you've seen a few of those people. That I told you this was going to happen. That's not helpful for folks. So we need to uh, to figure out what's going on there and, and not have that desi- that anxiety. You know, and there's different types of anxiety. You know, what do we fear most? Fear. You know, I-, I thought of this phrase this week. Are we fearful for losing our life, or are we fearful for losing our lifestyle? You know, there are people in other countries in the world that don't know where their next meal is coming from, and we're worried about if we've got 500 cans of beanie weenies in the cupboard. You know, and that's that's just our lifestyle here, but we, we fear missing spring ba- break or, you know, or more serious things like Mark mentioned. We both have parents that are in that high-risk age group. You know, that's a real fear. You know, if what happens to your parents if they get this disease, can they— can they get medical attention? Can they, can they get the support they need? And how do we protect them and keep them safe? So there's a lot of things that, you know, that we can be fearful for. But
0: what we need to know is what we can do about that. Yeah, yeah. And for some, the reality is this anxiety and fear, and this is what we wanted to talk about today, this anxiety and fear is not just out of the blue. Uh, this is just another layer of the things they're already dealing with. So there's there's already fear and anxiety about lots of things that are going on in the world. Uh, this is just like the latest thing, the latest thing that we have to deal with. Oh, okay, I think I came unplugged here. That must have been me. I was wondering what that sound was. It must have been me. He, he kept
1: looking at me, and I'm thinking, I don't think it's me.
0: Well, I can't tell. I can't, so I can't it back in. Here
2: we go. All right. Am I coming back through now? Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, but it's not just another layer. And we're taking a break today from talking about Genesis, which I'm going to be honest, I'm I was really excited about talking about Nimrod. Uh, And if you're not, you should be, and you should tune in next week because no matter what happens, I'll be talking about Nimrod, even if it's me sitting at home at the kitchen table with a laptop, which I don't think it will be, but we'll see. Um, But as we look through Scripture, one of the things we have to remember as followers of Jesus is that we are meant to be a light in darkness. And social media, uh, the news many of the things that we're being bombarded with, that just seems to, to bring us an encroaching darkness around us. Everything's bad. Everybody's going to die. I mean, I think, what, is the count somewhere around 5,400 people have died worldwide Correct. so far, which uh, does not diminish how serious it is, but uh, people are talking about the millions and millions and millions of people who are going to die. It, there, there's just this spreading, encroaching darkness. And one of the things that we as followers of Jesus have to be We have to be light in the darkness, which does does not need to be a euphemism, but needs to be a reality in the way that we live and the way that we we practice. Scripture tells us several things. I just want to hit some of these kind of quickly. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand.
1: Psalms 94.19 says, When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. How many of you need some soul cheering this morning? I think that's a great one.
0: Yeah. uh, 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And we need to remember that as he does care for us during this time. He is actively involved right now in this time in, in our world. John 14, 26, and 27. But the Helper, the Holy
1: Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second um, Timothy 1, 6, and 7. For this reason I remind you to fan and to flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God... Gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We don't always feel this way. Uh, And right now, uh, if you are in that critical age grouping of over 60, especially if you're over 70 or 80, uh, you can be gripped by fear. Understand that God has given us a spirit of courage. Now, I don't want to say that and just say, now, go be brave. You know, that doesn't really help. Uh, But at the same time, recognizing not that we're just supposed to somehow summon up no fear whatsoever. But God is with us. He's given us the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us that Jesus said, I'm leaving a helper with you. You have the Holy Spirit that does this for you, that is um, in you. Um, Before we jump ahead, I I do want to mention some of the comments that have come in. And we do appreciate that. Is is just talking about some of the hoarding. Uh, comments are made. One, we, we, we're, we're glad Brian's in with us talking about the impact this has on our health facilities, that the hoarding, if we're tempted to go out and hoard, uh, is keeping some of our medical facilities from being able to get the supplies that they need. And Rick had a great comment that if we do have extra and we have the opportunity to share, we would love to see the, uh, the individual in our community that has so much hand sanitizer to donate it. I think it would go a long way for a lot of people to share those with people that need it. Um, Brian
1: Brian has another really excellent comment further up the stream here. And by the way, guys, you'll see us looking back and forth. It's a little difficult to to, to teach and podcast and do this at once, so forgive us if we miss a comment. But, But Brian had a great response earlier in this thread was that the same way that what happens at Walmart or Costco or wherever, if everyone runs out and grabs those supplies at the same time, the supply chain can't keep up if everyone gets sick with this virus at the same time, the medical profession cannot keep up. Right. And that's the reason the social separation and things that, that everyone's trying to do are so important.
0: Yeah. Good comments. And thanks for, um, for adding all that. Uh, and listen, we're going to try, if you'd like to, to, if you guys are here in the room with us and you want to stop us and ask questions as, as normal, you're welcome to do that. If you're, we're going to try to, to get as many of these things um, on Facebook as we can as well. But, Through all those scriptures, we see a common theme and a common thread for us. So you raise your hand? Yeah. Yeah. That's right
1: yeah yeah great great points,
0: yeah
1: yeah I, yeah one one of the things that I did yesterday was trying to explain this to people the the risk to the elderly as using the c d c statistics which have been gathered and that's that 's all we can go by is that the mortality rate with the flu. If you have a room full of a hundred people that are 80 years old okay that whole room full of people gets the flu likely that one of them will die okay if there's a hundred over 80 in a room one of them will die from the flu if we take the same scenario we put a hundred people in a room and they all get the coronavirus in that age group of 80 and above 15 of them will die that's vastly different from the flu one person versus 15 is horrendously different, and that's the reason this needs to be taken so seriously and take the precautions we're asked to.
0: Yeah, right, and we're not experts. Absolutely. Um, we like to portray ourselves as experts in everything, but we're not, and so we just want to make that clear. So uh, if CNN wants to come do a, a interview with us on our expertise on this, that's probably not a good idea. But, uh, yeah. right yeah statistics yeah. yeah yeah the yeah so for those of you who are watching on facebook the, the conversation going on in the room is just basically statistics are not always um, trustworthy. I know that's hard to believe, even if it's on the internet. Uh, but, th- yeah, those are, those are good points. We need to be aware and, and treat these things soberly. And they're not always easy to un- understand for non-mathematicians in the group that's as right, well. <laughs> that's right. So, if we back out a little bit from that conversation, and all those scriptures we read... One of the primary things we, as Christians, need to represent is not a belief pattern. It is the reality that God is with us. And if we treat that like a belief, yeah, God is with us. You know, like, it's, it's true, but if we don't demonstrate that, that we believe that's true in our interactions with people, and the way we live our daily lives, and not just during crisis, but in general our testimony is this thing. God is real. God is with us. God cares. And there's a difference between, oh yeah, God's with us. Yeah, God's with us. I affirm that. And I am living my life knowing that I am not alone and that he is with me. And as Jesus said, that he is within us and he is helping us. So God is with us. I, I thought about the 23rd Psalm, and we love the 23rd Psalm. We read the 23rd Psalm at times of distress, um, when we need comfort. Uh, But one of the things that that stands out to me that was important for the psalmist to share, it comes specifically in verse 4, but this is the beginning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is what the 23rd Psalm is about, being shepherded. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which is what we're doing. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And and not in the sense that, you know, oh, I'm going to, you're going to do something wrong and I'm going to let you have it. But his guidance. Is what they're saying. His guidance comforts me. Which is what we being light in this darkness. That's what we are called to be here. And some of the practical steps that I just wanted to share with you. Or we wanted to share with you. um, So so what do we do? How do we do this? There is no more powerful thing in the world to change your circumstance. To change the world. Or to change the way you view the world. Than prayer. So some of the practical steps that we can do quite simply is to pray. Yeah, a couple of verses here talking about prayer.
1: Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And I know, guys, that sounds very simplistic and very unrealistic to some of us, but that's what God commands us to do is to don't worry, but instead pray. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds everything anything you can understand his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in christ jesus so some practical ways you can pray pray for god to be at your work pray for god to take your fear and give you peace and remember what god has done you know those i think those are one of the most encouraging things is to look back through your life through scripture anywhere you want to look and remember what god has already done and realize that he's going to do those things the same things again so yeah, but that that constant praying is what we need to do, and, I, and I'm often amused, and I, and I say this too. This is a, I, I guess a a colloquialism or whatever you want to say. Well, all we can do is pray. Well, yeah, that's all we can do, and that's what we need to do. And we sometimes look at that as the last resort after we've exhausted yeah, everything yeah, yeah, we as a yeah. people can do. Is well, all we can do is pray. When that's the first thing that should be coming to mind.
0: Yeah, I just just reminds me. Uh, <laughs> You do not have because you do not ask. You know, the, the fact that if we believe that God is at work and God answers prayer, then we will pray in the belief that God will act and that God really does care. If it's a religious practice, like we, I do this because I'm supposed to, but I don't really believe it. Well, we'll bear that out in the way we live our daily lives. So if we pray when we come to church or we pray when something really bad happens, but we don't pray any other time, The reality is, we are going to struggle to truly not only believe it, but to show others that we believe it too. Prayer is so crucially important. Psalm 139, 23, and 24, and this is important too, because um, part of uh, the reason that we pray is that we trust God to do something that is good. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. And the reason that the psalmist says this is because... I we don't truly know our hearts. We are as good at putting a film over this for ourselves as we are for everybody else. But God can see through all of that. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. This is about how the New Living Translation says it. And is that not accurate where we are today? Mm -hmm. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. So some of the things that we can pray about in addition to praying for this pandemic and all the th- people that are affected, our healthcare workers, our first responders, uh, those that have uh, the people that are infected or those who are infected themselves, um, is, is, God, wh- what am I most afraid of? Have you ever stopped to ask yourself in the midst of fear, what about this really scares me? I think for me sometimes I that's I don't really know that answer. I I think I know, but I don't really know. Well, I'm afraid of dying. Are we? Are we afraid of dying? As followers of Jesus, yes, I'm not wanting to go early, but are we afraid of dying? You know, are we afraid of missing work? Are we afraid of missing spring break? You know, are we afraid that, you know, something might happen? You know, I think it's easier when we think about someone else who's affected to think about what we're afraid of but for our own motives our own fears about ourselves the psalmist himself says you i show me that mm-hmm. help me to see that about me what am i afraid of is, is it a trust issue what what is that, it that i don't that's trust? what i
1: was thinking just now is is one of the biggest fears i have even in situations like that is I'm really fearful to trust God sometimes I can go out and do all the things I need to I can go out and I can stock up on toilet paper and I can have food supplies and all this I can't control the spread of a virus I can do the things that we're supposed to do but this is something that's totally out of our control and we have to trust God and a lot of times we're fearful to trust God because we really don't don't understand his nature and understand that he has our best interest at nature uh, interest he has our best interests in his heart And sometimes that's not a comfortable place for us, the way he does that with us.
0: Yeah, right. some Good comments coming in here. Uh, Paul said that prayer also works in our own hearts to alleviate the tension our hearts are feeling. That prayer does have the ability to shift our perspective. I I mean, real heartfelt, deep, involved prayer will shift our perspective. Um, Donna says he'll protect me from it bring me through it or take me home what a great perspective uh for that um and and melissa says i'm not gonna lie i'm afraid to die and and um respect others fears as well yeah that's a legitimate fear that the uh likelihood that that's gonna happen uh is a whole nother conversation the legitimacy of the fear it's absolutely a legitimate fear because that's primarily I think what is being pushed yeah, yeah there the is fear is yeah. not the sickness itself but that that sickness would end in death yeah, yeah and that's a know, legitimate fear
1: you know, and it's difficult to, to think like the Apostle Paul did that to die is gain that's one of our problems is we we have an earthly focus on death yeah I don't want my parents to die I don't want my wife or children to die I don't want to die because I don't want them to go through the grief that they would have if I die yeah and so you have all those things with you it's very difficult to look at the gain that you will be getting from that. And that's because we often have an earthly instead of ex, uh, eternal focus. Yeah. And it's just not the way, you know, we're just not wired that way because
0: of our sinful natures. Yeah, and Mace, Mace said this, our comedian this morning in the hmm. comments, by the way. Mace said this, I'm afraid of what desperate people are willing to do. Yeah, I think that's a legitimate fear, isn't it? And, and, and yet is another reason why as believers... Here, here's what I know about the church through history. The church through history has shown up when no one else shows up. Now, the church can be accused of a lot of things and be, can be criticized for lots of legitimate things. Let's be honest. The church can be criticized for lots of legitimate things. However, as we look back through some of the worst times of history, the church shows up. Those people who love Jesus and want to love others and they want to live this out, they show up. If there is an outbreak, And you need volunteers to show up to care for sick people, even if that means they themselves lose their lives. Many believe, not only, but many believers show up for those moments. The church shows up, and we can alleviate the fear by saying, we are here to help, to be light in the darkness. And as a follower of Jesus, our faith and our theology should work its way into this conversation of saying if i die showing love for others what better way is there to die and so we believe that there is a place for us when we leave this place it is actually better than this place and so that is a part of our faith that again there's a difference between religious practice and faith in christ there is life after death <laughs> There is an eternity in which Jesus said, I've gone to prepare a place for you. Now, that does not mean that we need to rush there, right? It doesn't mean that we need to get there as quick as we can. I jokingly say, if I make it to 80, then I'm going to start making some really riskier life decisions because I'll be ready about, I think, to go on and be in heaven. You know, I don't know that everybody jokes, oh, Mark, you shouldn't say that. But, you know, I jokingly say that, but I truly believe in what Jesus says, And I'm a little anxious to get there, not so anxious that I'm going to circumvent God's timing, but I am anxious to see that. So if if we can help mitigate the fear and the hysteria by being voices of reason and, more importantly, hope, that is what God wants from us. Tracy?
2: And that's hard on some people, um, but also feeling like you are going through this alone. And I think that's a really great opportunity for the church. And in theory, what we which, what we should be good at is to remind one another that you're not alone. Not only is right. God's presence with you, but there are ways that we can... can community is so important to the It's so vital to the church. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it's hard at, in the season to do that because of social distancing but we there are creative ways that we can continue to remind one another you're not alone I see you I hear you. getting on Facebook is not that right I discovered that is does not make me feel more alone or it doesn't make me feel more in community with people it actually makes me fear more feel more fear and feel more alone right um, but a phone call or we have technology maybe it's a FaceTime call or a I don't know, like a letter, things that are just a reminder to one another, especially those that are older that um, are not getting out and maybe don't use a lot of technology. They're just, I wonder if there's are just some ones. Right. So we, we've got a great comment
1: here from Stacey Albergotti that it's funny how God works these things. She was responding just right as you were saying that basically at the same time. She said, we can... We can help as Christians by calling and checking on our elderly neighbors, especially those who don't have much family. This will help them not to feel so cut off from others. Perhaps pick up items they need uh, from the store, and they could even leave them on the porch if they're scared to be in contact with you. That's a great
0: suggestion. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Checking on people, uh, letting them know that they're loved. Yeah, that's that's really great. Okay, so you all can hear what's happening in the room now. So good. Um, Yes, that we... We have the opportunity some of the fears are loneliness being alone and uh, that we as the church can love others by checking in even if it's just with a call um, or a facetime or something like that that's good very good so one of the things that if we begin to pray and ask god to reveal our fears it is going to lead us to a place of well what do i trust and we're going to eventually get to the place of what what do I not trust? And many of our fears will demonstrate what we struggle to trust God with. So if it's our physical being, our physical health, it will be demonstrated through times like this. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be cautious. But if we are gripped by anxiety and fear, it's, it, what, what it really means is I'm struggling to trust God with my health and what his plan is for my life. I struggle with that. Daniel?
3: Um, and I guess, like, one thing is also you could just know that you will feel that way. Yes. Anxious or lonely. Yes, it's, it's, a, a, it's, it's normal, normal to, to feel, feel that way. way. Yeah, it's, it's perfectly normal because, you know, we are creatures, and God created us to be very communal, and we're kind of like a herd. And if you watch anything on, like, National Geographic, you you know, like, herd animals, if one of them, like, is strays or is alone, it's very anxious. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it feels safe and it's heard with all the big protectors around it because, you know, there's natural predators and everything. I think that's one thing that's so weird about this is because we're used to times of, like, we're not used to it, but, you know, there's been times of war or external threats and people generally comfort each other by gathering together in big groups and saying things to each other and hugging each other and we feel safe in our little herd. And this is something that says, you know. if you imagine a herd of National Geographic, when they're facing a threat, they wouldn't just naturally all go off on their own. Because right. they would all feel a lot of anxiety. So I think it's normal to feel anxiety, not being around people. And I think one thing that scares people is, you know, if something unexpected happens to them, that's scary. So if you expect to feel that way, just know that you're human. You're supposed to feel that way, and it's normal. Yeah, and things are going to go back to normal. So that—that's that's a really, really good, good
0: caution. That so shame should not enter into the conversation for feeling this way. That's a right. that's a good caution. Uh, um, and I would want to yeah be careful not to go there. It uncertainty, anxiety is a natural part of the human condition. Uh, the, one of the beautiful things God has given us is a heart and a mind that when it begins to enter in, we can choose to do something with it. And, you know, sometimes that means I change my behavior, change mm-hmm. something that I'm doing. But often it means I'm changing how I'm thinking. Yeah. And that's not easy. It is not easy to change how we think. And that's a great point, too, for us as the church. It's one of the reasons we're kind of doing this kind of format today is in times of hardship and anxiety we do tend to come together and that is part of the beauty of the church and, and and the very nature of all this is we'll stay apart which takes away that uh and that is where technology can can also be a help as well
1: yeah we're getting some great comments on on facebook here from melissa uh has said i really need to pray i can talking about social media and, and it's causing me more anxiety but i also feel if i don't i won't be informed that That is tough sometimes. Uh, I think many of us struggle with social media and Facebook and things. One of the things I first want to say is let's don't all condemn Facebook and how bad it is because we're worshiping the Lord together using this technology this morning. So it can be used for good or it can be used for bad. I think it's our individual responsibilities as Christians to not participate in the fear and the the hysteria and the things that we see on Facebook and when we see it. If you don't know, don't share it. If it's yeah. something you suspect, oh, yes. oh let's just share that. This Or even it can be as simple as hitting the like button on something because your friend posted it. And then you, then you go back and read it and you think, oh, my goodness, I would have never. No, that's not right. Yes. And we're really bad about doing that on social media. Yes, there are good things you can be afforded on there. But if there is one place that you need to pray for discernment, it is reading news from Facebook. Yes. Because... Uh, just like Mark was saying earlier, I, I do have my Facebook medical degree. I earned that this week. I've got the little stamp. I'm going to post on my page later, so I can tell you anything you need to know. And and we look at all these people that are experts that we don't even know who they are. It may be a fake account. It's a friend of a friend of a friend who knows a doctor in Italy that said this. Yes, you know, and that just feeds into the hysteria and things. And you have people that, and it's based on our personality, what we like and what we post. Those that those that are that are looking at this as this don't panic or whatever, they are going to share everything that says, This is not a big deal. This is only the flu. Don't panic. These you know and then the other people that are impressed that this is very serious and they're scared of it are going to say, you know half the united states population is going to be dead by the end of the year and because this expert said this and they've got these statistics that prove that without looking at the the things around the world and and then when we start participating in either side of that we're totally leaving god out of the conversation by not using discernment
0: yes that is such a great word for us today now or any time and especially as we're moving into an election season (laughs) Well, we won't go there. Uh, but, yeah, you s- spend a little extra time verifying a resource and, and, and just be wise about what we share that we are not part of the problem. Yeah, and one
1: one quick thing I will add there, this never works. Don't go and correct your friends on Facebook if you don't agree with them. They've They've come to that conclusion. You know, if it's somebody that you know your friends. Don't go start an argument about it. If, if they have posted this already, they think they have verified it or they're right, you're not going to change their mind by saying, well, that's just stupid, and let me tell you why. Yeah. Be the voice of calm. If you can support it with facts, if somebody's saying this, da- this virus isn't dangerous, show them the facts from the CDC. And then if, if they say, well, the CDC's lying to you, there's nothing you can do about that. Just, yeah. but, but, you know,
0: use a little kindness online. We go a long ways. And recognize as people of faith the things that we don't know God does, and he's in control, and we divert back to what we were just talking about. We can trust him, and no matter what, our fears, he's got worked out in the end. So, you know, even if we don't have all the information, um, we can still trust that God's at work. And, And this is where, again, our faith begins to diverge from just religious practice. And I've used that term a couple of times. What I mean by religious practice is I go to church, I believe certain things, I do the things that I'm supposed to do, I pray if I'm told to pray, I read my Bible if I'm told to read my Bible, but there's actually, there's a great disconnect between that and walking with God. <laughs> so walking with God is, what is he saying to me today, and how am I following him and living this out in my interactions, and in uh, the decisions I have to make, and the conversations that I have, and the priorities that I choose, there's a difference in religious practice and following Jesus. And so if we're going to follow Jesus, that that, that we have to trust him um, even when we can't see it. And you cannot just be a purveyor of religious practice and live this out at the same time, trusting God even when you can't see it. That comes by struggling through your life saying, God, I believe in you. I trust you no matter what happens to me, even if it ends in my death, I, you have my best interest at heart. That is where we are able to say, you know what? I don't see the whole picture, but I am okay. I am okay with this. I, God is going to um, take care of this. Second um, Corinthians 12, 7 through 10 says, uh, this is actually a great uh, talking portion of Scripture where, where Paul's talking about, and I've been doing some really great things. And in, his, in this particular context, he's kind he's of guard against his head getting big. Uh, but he says this, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. In other words, I, we're not exactly sure what this is. There are different. Uh, so different scholars believe that Paul's saying different things here about what the actual thorn is, but whatever it is, it's a, a, an, it, it is encumbering him to not be able to do what he wants to do, and he's praying diligently for God to remove it, but it's not going anywhere, and now this is where he takes out of that. But he said to me, this was God's response to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardship, persecutions, and coronavirus. That's well, not exactly what it says, but that's kind of what he's saying. Calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong.
1: Yeah. Yeah just a couple more comments my wife commented Karen did that shouldn't we have the same fear of the second coming and Christ's return and wanted to make sure we're ready as well as helping others to know God wow what a great word for this season we live in where we're so afraid of dying yet there's people around us that we don't share Jesus with we're more worried about telling them how to wash their hands than how to wash their hearts so that's something a good word for us Um, yeah you know ultimately who do you trust in this. Are you going to trust God or are you going to trust man? Looking at uh, Jeremiah chapter 17 starting with verse 5. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. Guys, this is something we need to be extremely cautious about right now. Uh, We're looking for the government to answer us. We're looking for the You know, we're looking for the medical profession to answer this problem. We're looking and trusting that these people are going to take care of this problem, when they don't have any power that doesn't come from God Himself anyway. And so, we're not looking to the Creator of the universe for His solution to this problem. We're internally focused on what we think is going to solve it, instead of you know looking at man's answers, instead of looking at God's answer.
0: Yeah, right. The New Living Translation translate that. uh, This is what the Lord says: "Cursed are those." who put their trust in mere humans. I love that, because how many mere humans are telling us they're, they're the ones that we should trust in? Uh, and they disappoint us every time, but who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. It goes on in verse 6, and it says, He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good calm. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is a man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord, He is like a tree planted by water and sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not not cease to bear fruit. Verse 9 says, and this is, I think, so important for us with anxiety and fear and all the things that we've been talking about. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Which, as concerned as we are about the sickness of our bodies, our respiratory systems, our immune systems, the scripture constantly tells us, says, you know what's worse than that? <laughs> is how sick our hearts are. That's where the real problem is for humanity. It's where our hearts are, which infiltrates every area of life. Who can understand it? He goes on to say. I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Should I be a little scared of that last part?
1: The Lord searches my heart and tests my mind, and he gives to me according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. You know, sometimes my deeds aren't that good, or yours.
0: Wow. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Mine are pretty good. I don't know about yours. Yeah. I mean, this is where the we're just we're completely any, off the rails. Do you want to confess something here with us today? Uh, no. I think
1: <laughs> I. I think I'm good. Uh, Karen, no comments online, please. <laughs> 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 but you know, we do. You know, we think about our fruits and what we do. Just, just like, you know, what what are we doing in this situation right now? Are we really doing what we can do to calm the thing, or are we, you know, how, how do we react in these situations so that Christ is honored through our deeds?
0: Yeah. You know? Right, right.
1: I, you know, like we were talking a minute ago, you know, we're not – our deeds aren't honorable if we go out and we buy all the toilet paper and hand sanitizer in town. Our deeds are honorable if we take our toilet paper and take it to our next-door neighbor and say, have you got enough?
0: Mm-hmm. So there's lots Good. of ways we can react properly. 8463 Twilight Drive, that's my address, if you'd like to uh,
1: – How much toilet paper you got Practice
0: that. I literally <laughs> – uh, I think it was Wednesday. I walked out. Deidre had bought a, a pack of toilet paper. It was sitting – on the uh, floor, uh, lights were low. It felt like Christmas morning. I almost sent a picture out yeah. like, Santa's come early this year. You know, yeah. there's a case of toilet paper here.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cassie came by for a visit last night, and uh, our oldest daughter, and, and we had some extra wipes we gave her to take home with her. And she put them in her car. I said, don't leave those visible. Somebody will knock your window out. That's yes, right. Wipes. And, uh, you know, you can leave your laptop computer now, but, hey, those, laps, those wipes are very valuable. Yeah, though. those
0: wipes. Yeah, yeah, you got to keep up to those. So, kind of wrapping up today, one of the things that I think is important for us as believers in the area of trusting God. We tend to trust God if we perceive that He is about to answer our prayer in the way we want Him to answer it. In other words, I have peace because God's doing exactly what I wanted Him to do. Now, whether we've asked for something to happen and that thing seems to be happening, or we wanted something and we look like we may be getting that thing that we wanted, we have a tendency to trust when God's doing exactly what we hoped he would do. However, that's not how God works. And there have been many times in my life that I've wanted God to do something and he doesn't do it. And we will over-spiritualize this in the sense of, well, you didn't pray hard enough. Exactly. You didn't believe enough. Well, sometimes it was the wrong thing to ask for. It was the wrong thing to want. And in this situation, I'm not going to say what is the right thing to ask for because that I, I don't have that answer. I mean, we pray for relief. We pray for healing. We pray that this is stopped. We pray that people don't get sick. We pray you know that that people are at peace we pray for those things but yeah but but to say and there's, know,
1: no, and there's nothing in scripture that tells us not to do that right right it, it never says don't pray don't you know don't try and affect the outcome of this and just leave it in god's hands it says pray for the sick pray for healing it tells us specifically to do that
0: right right but uh, peace can't come to us if it can only come in the form of one way god would answer that prayer Peace has to come to the place where, God, your will be done, and whatever that is. And I, my peace is now being okay with what God says is best and what God does, even if I wouldn't have chosen that. That's where peace comes from. If my peace rests upon God, you have to answer in this way, at this time, and right now, then we're going to live lives without peace. And that's where people who are not believers look at us on the outside, and they go, "You, your faith is not real, yeah, because you only have faith when God gives you what you want." And that, even outside the faith, people recognize that's not a tenet of faith in Christ. These things because there's truth in it. And, yes, right. That's right. So, and 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 I know this is this is not easy. And I am not a person to say, I've reached a spiritual level where I'm just okay with whatever God does. I just, nothing bothers me. That is not my story. But peace comes when we're okay with God's outcome, not that he has to answer our outcome. We have to be okay without having a specific outcome.
1: Oh, this is great. Rick Adams says, God loves us too much to do things the way we think that he should do them. His work is always better. His way is always better than our way. He knows. Sorry, I'm going to. He knows best. Yeah. That's good
0: does. stuff. He does. He does. All right. So just, just kind of in closing uh, today, so maybe some things that we can do moving forward. Um, as far as what we do as a, a faith community, every week we'll be talking. Leadership here will be talking about what we're going to do next week. And we'll communicate through Facebook, email. And pray for us as we go through those decisions. They're not easy. Yeah, because we've, we've had, we, it took a lot of long conversations to get to, where, to this today, what we're doing today, and we will each week as we continue to watch what comes in. So encouragement for you as, so um, how do we leave this conversation today? Um, number one, um, make the best decision you can make. That's all you can do in life. There's no perfect decisions. Make the best decision you can make. You know, the best I can hope to do in following Jesus is making the best, the most right next step. And there are no guarantees to those steps. If we are following Jesus, the Holy Spirit is within us, is guiding us that our steps are placed by God himself as we seek him and as he shows us what those steps may be. And those steps may be, stay home, don't leave your house. That step may be, I've got 50 uh, dozen uh, rolls of toilet paper. I'm going to go see who needs it. Um, If you are in the Red Bank community, that's one of the items that the Red Bank Food Pantry is collecting right now. Uh, The Red Bank Food Pantry is also working with some other organizations to help kids who aren't getting meals over these next two weeks that school is canceled. Um, so they're looking for uh, toilet paper, paper towels, um, sanitary products, um, things like that. If you have those, hand sanitizer. If you have extra, uh, if you have 17,700 pieces of hand sanitizer in your garage, Red yeah. Bank Food Pantry at Red Bank United Methodist Church yeah, is a great pr- place to bring them. We can the address if you need it. That's right. Uh, is a great place to bring those. Um, but re- regardless of what that step is for you, just make the best decision that you can make. And that may be the all that you can do. Um, another is trust that God is invested in your story. God cares about you. God wants what's best for you. God is working in your story, in your life. Um, trust that God is invested in your story.
1: Finally, I love this one. Be a light in a dark world. Talked about that a little bit in the opening prayer. We, we live in a blessed society where there is. We may not always see it. There's a lot of Jesus around us here. Yeah. We 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 don't we take that for granted. There are places in the world that are very very dark spiritually. That there's only a glimmer of light where Jesus is at in those societies, and you know we take that for granted. We should be a light in the dark world. Uh, Matthew five beginning with verse fourteen says, "You are the light of the world. A city set high on a hill cannot be hidden." Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Man, we have a probably one of the biggest opportunities I have seen in my lifetime to be a light in a in a in a dark world. We're facing unexpected things, we're you know, things We don't know what's going to happen. It may be all overblown hype. It may be the worst disaster that we've ever faced. We don't know. There's anxiety. There's fear in in our society. And we as Christians can either be the one that calms that or we can fan the flames. And we need to be that light in this dark time and tell people exactly what we've talked about this morning. Share it. You know, one of the things I was thinking about um, as I was looking through the Facebook feed here about being a light in a dark world, I'm sure those of you that do participate in social media, you have people on your your social media feed that may not be followers of Jesus. You know what? This is not unique, what we're doing here this morning. This is on a webcast on Facebook every single week from Journey, unless there's a technical problem. You can simply go, if you're here in church or you're home or wherever, and you can click on that link and share it you know and you can be a lot in the world because of that i'm I'm watching that this morning i'm seeing people that are on my facebook feed on your facebook feed friends and family and we're all coming together this morning to worship what a powerful tool we have if we want to really be a lot instead of getting on facebook and and spreading
0: paranoia and fear we can be that light that says here's some good words i'd like to share with you yeah and and just in that in that direction as well you know, there are all kinds of responses. Some responses are, "Well, we just don't believe any of this stuff. This is all big, hyped out of proportion." Blah blah blah. That's not really being a light in the world when you. A lot of the people that you care about are are scared. So, instead, consider flooding your social media networks with hope. Amen. Not dismissing, but flooding with hope, and that will have an effect on those around you. So, I would encourage you to do that as well. Um, we're going we're gonna to close in prayer, and if you're at home and you're with your family, I would encourage you just to spend some time praying together with your family. Um, we're going to close in praying for, for all of this. Uh, let me just, just so you know what's going to happen this week, no midweek activities. Uh, so, and the, the, here, the, the point is, is not that all of us are going to die if we get together. That is not the point. The point is we're trying to be good partners with our community. We're trying to love our neighbors. And we'll watch how this goes. We don't know how this is gonna go in the next few weeks, but no activities, midweek activities for the next two weeks for sure. Um, we'll let you know this week what we're gonna do next Sunday. It will at least be this. Uh, it may just be you know one of us up here, or maybe both of us up here, maybe somebody else up here. We'll at least still do the live streaming, um, but we'll let you know how the other activities are going to go. Uh, the Red Bank Food Pantry is still going to be dispersing food on Thursday. If you would like to help serve that, there are still people that are going to be hungry. We haven't even touched on the economic impact of this on people, which is um, likely to... It is touching more people than the disease is at this point. So the economic impact is huge. Another sermon for another day, as a matter of fact. Um, But if you would like to... I know that we're talking through ways to do it to limit, again, that contact, that touch with people... Mm -hmm. So we're going um, to—I'm th- not exactly sure what the plan is yet, but there is a plan in place um, to limit the amount of contact we have with others. So if you're healthy and capable, then we would love for you to uh, help there. And if you're not sure what I'm talking about, message me, and I'll be glad to give you more information about that. But let's, let's spend some time praying together, and then we're going to be dismissed for this week. Thank you for joining us online. Thank you for your comments and uh, for all the conversations. This has really been enjoyable. I don't know. We, this may become a new normal. Who knows? It may become a new normal. In um, some way, we we'll, might, might do that. But let's spend some time praying. Those of you at home, I encourage you to pray with your families right now as well. Father, God, you are a good God. You are a God who is capable of all things. Father, I pray that you would surround our city with those who call you Lord that we would be a hope in the darkness father i pray that you would stand in between us as a people and this terrible pandemic i know that in a moment you could end it and i know that up until this moment you have chosen not to and father we pray for your protection on those who are most vulnerable to this disease. Father, we trust you even when we can't see you at work. Even when we don't know what you're doing, we trust that you are at work and we know that you you are doing what is good. And Father, I pray for those that are struggling with anxiety and fear in this moment. Father, Father, First of all, I want to thank you for what you do for us, Lord
1: that we often don't recognize God and that we we thank you for the things you do especially lord this is a this is a morning when there are many people around the world that are struggling yes. with what to do God and I just pray this morning that we'll be a an example to the lord and the, and the main thing we we need people to know is that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die in our place God um, we've all sinned we've all not done the things that we should do god and well, we know that you sent Jesus Christ to take the penalty for what we have done. And, Lord, he rose again on the third day, and our sins are covered because of those facts. And we just pray, God, if there's those in the audience today that, that don't understand this, God, that they'll reach out and they'll talk to someone that's a Christian. and Lord, understand how important it is to have Jesus in your life. You can't be a light to the world without Jesus. He is the only light that exists, and everything else is darkness, God. And we just pray this morning that if there are those that, that maybe have questions about what it means to be a Christian, God, there are so many misconceptions out there about what it is to follow you and just what it means to be saved, God. And we just pray it's, it's not by our works, it's by what you've done for us is what enables salvation, enables hope, enables the light to come through, Lord. And we just pray that this will be the, the message that goes out not just this morning but from this time forward that that's on our hearts to share the good news of what Jesus has done for us and what he's continuing to do for us, God. pray this morning, especially on my heart, are our, our leaders. Um, on national, state, and local levels, God, there are people that are making really, really tough decisions, God. I I know we as pastors and elders here struggled with how to react to this, and I can only imagine if you're, you know, also responsible for a a community of people trying to to do what's right to keep people safe, but to to not give in to fear and panic, God. I just pray for the leaders that are making those decisions, God. It's, It's awful, Lord, and I just pray that that maybe if there's a decision that comes down that's hard or we don't necessarily agree with, that we respect and support those that are making decisions because of God. They weren't made lightly, and we know that you're in control. So, Lord, we just pray that you're giving those, those leaders wisdom and the things that they should do. I, especially want to pray today, God, for our, our first responders and our, our, our medical staff, and doctors, and nurses, and the support staff around them, God. You know, the world hasn't stopped because of this virus, it may have stopped. Some of our businesses, it may have restricted our schools, it may have have changed the way we worship God, but there are people out there on the front lines every day protecting us, keeping us safe. There there are police officers that they respond to a call, God, they don't don't know what they're going to, and I just pray that you'll give them peace and and help them and keep them safe in the community. The same thing for our health care workers, God. We're also worried about what happens should we catch an illness. But, God, we're not thinking about those that are serving us. and Or some of them could even be putting their lives at risk to provide services to us, God. And we just pray that you'll you'll bless those people that, and all those in the community that are serving, God. Bless the ministries around us. We have partnerships with so many good people. And there's so many good churches here in Chattanooga, God, that, that I'm thinking about my, my pastor friends from all over the city this morning that are struggling with the things we are that are trying to, to find ways to still bring the word and still to be a light in the community God that you, we pray that you'll work especially through all the ministries and things in town that you'll you'll help those to, to be the light in the community where it's as simple as, as sharing some toilet paper and some food and some, some you know hand sanitizer with your neighbor God that whatever it is whatever scale the ministry is God it doesn't have to be huge it doesn't have to be community wide it starts with us God as individuals and I just I just pray that you'll you'll let all of this be a be a light in a darkened world.
0: Yes, yes, and we do pray for those making decisions about their businesses and and their churches, just as God has said, and those who are, are trying to make the very best decisions they can make, and yet do not know what to do next. Uh, Father, we pray that you would just give them wisdom. I just thank you for the voices of hope that we have within our community. I thank you for the direction of those who are leading the very best of their abilities, and I pray that you would use us to encourage them. And I pray that this would be a time and a place in the city of Chattanooga, in the state of Tennessee, in the United States, around the world, that the church stands up as it has in times past to say we are here to to help and to be a part and to be hope in a time of great need. And so, Father, uh, we give you our anxieties and our fears today. We give you all the things that are on our hearts. I pray that you would show us where the issue, where we struggle to trust you. Show us what those are. And, Father, help us to follow you more faithfully more fully with full trust that you are doing what is best in the world and in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. We're going to end on that. And uh, if you want to be prepared for next week, uh, read Genesis 10. We are going to uh, continue our series on Genesis next week. Have a great week.